All right, so uh, we're going to have some fun today, I hope. No promises here. Um, it was uh, it's just great to hear Howard uh, last night and this morning. Uh, I, we go back quite a ways, although we, we sort of were in different parts of a big church. Uh, uh, I worked with our teaching ministry in my area. He worked with his and his, and so we got together some. But, you know, we sort of go back to about the same time even in college. You know, I graduated just before Howard arrived at MIT. Uh, they sent me packing, you know, don't come back, you know, thank you, here's your degree. Uh, Howard, they kept, and Howard not only got a bachelor's degree, a master's degree, a Ph.D., and, uh, you know, from my experience in that time frame, that's the real deal, you know, they don't... They don't ask you to stay there unless you really are bringing some value. And then he went up the street to some other university in Cambridge and did some more work. Um, but it's, it's just thank you so much for how you've taken your, your talent, you know, your God-given talent, uh, which, uh, you know, in academia, and leveraged it with your faith. You know, so your faith <coughs> combined with your God-given skills and understanding is really the big message that I took from uh, what you've shared and, and your life as well. So just appreciate you and Ann and Sophie, and, uh, and uh, hopefully if Sophie does come up here, we'll get to see more of you over the next few, next several years. That'll be great. Um, I want to continue talking today. Oh, there's a clicker here somewhere. Oh, yeah. I have ugly slides. They're not very graphic today. I want to continue. You know, a couple weeks ago, uh, I was talking about following Jesus. If you remember, I threw up a slide that had the picture of the guy doing the bungee jump. And he was at beyond the point of no return. He was, he was fully committed to taking that leap of faith. And that was cool last night, even just hearing about how it's not so much, it's not unbelievable to be a Christian. Like scientists and all their work, they haven't disproved uh, that being a Christian is a believable thing. You know, and yet, isn't it common sometimes for people to say, well, the Bible, it's not really believable. You know, why, do you, why are you talking from the Bible? Uh, it's been disproved. And so even in the common, common understanding, many so-called smart people say, well, the Bible is just not believable. And yet, uh, I, I think it is. And I think a lot of what we saw last night says that believing in God is not, is not a big step. It's not an unbelievable step. But I want to take some time today and dig in a little further into that idea of following God and just talk about what it means to trust God. You know, because, you know, what does God have to say about trusting Him and that relying on Him? You know, because Jesus gave us an example of ultimate trust, you know, and we're going to dig into that some today. And that trust of saying, I'm going to become a human, I'm going to entrust myself to ungodly people, I'm going to get crucified and die, something I don't have to do, but I'm going to do it because... It's what God wants me to do. It's, it's how we're going to save all of us here. You know, and it's timely to think about these things because, you know, we're celebrating Easter next weekend. You know, I, I got a little bit of a head start. I wore somewhat of my... And Jeanette said, what are you going to wear next week? And I said, well, I have one more Easter shirt. So I have, I have another one that I can pull out. But, but you know, it, as, we, as we think about Easter, you know, it's, we're sort of in that timeline, right? You know, Jesus' followers, you know, as they led up to the cross, you know, must have been thinking some really, you know, challenging thoughts. You know, they, they had been with Jesus for three years or so, and they had seen him up close. They, under, they understood him to a degree as much as men can understand him. But at that point, he's telling them, 
I'm leaving you. You know, I'm going to get crucified. You know, Peter, you know, argued with him and says, well, I'll just go with you too. And, and he said, well, Peter, you know, my namesake, he said, you're just not ready. You know, you, you, know you, you will have to go there eventually, but you're not ready because, you know, in the next couple of days, you're going to deny me. And it's be like you almost hadn't even been with me. You know, one of the guys, one of the tight group is going to betray him, sell him out for a bunch of money. Um, you know, and Peter does, you know, denies him. And, and in the midst of all that, Jesus says many things, but one thing he says is, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. You know, you think about those, those followers. They've given up everything to follow him. They left their occupations. You know, we, we talked about last time, on the very best day that, that Peter ever had fishing, Jesus said, I'll leave that behind and come follow me. You know, he's like, really, do we have to do that? Um, well, he didn't really say that, but that's my paraphrase. Um, you know, they left their tax collecting. I'm a successful tax collector, whatever. You know, I'm not sure exactly what that looks like, but it, they seem to be well off, at least the ones I read about in the New Testament. And, and they all left that. And, and, and the, also, they got all the Jewish authority, so their, their economic authority, where you make money from, their social, their relationships, the governing authority, all that was flowing through you know, both primarily the Jewish nation. They got all that upset with them. And then Jesus says, oh, I'm leaving. You know, so our supernatural capability here to survive the things that we've taken on uh, it, it's gone. And uh, how, how are we going to do that? Um, well, just trust me. Hmm. And you wonder why we sometimes have a problem with trust, right? You know, it, it, it's hard to figure out what's going to happen. You know, they had no idea that three days later, well, I think, well, I don't know if they did or not, but three days later, they didn't act like they knew he was going to rise from the dead, right? And so I'll leave a lot of the preaching for, of that for Mike for next week. But, you know, in other words, think about what you've left behind to follow Jesus. You know, what are the things that, you know, you gave up, you turned over to him, that you've entrusted to God, and it's not going as good as you want it to do. It's troubling your heart. You know, he says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. And if you read on in that passage, if you've got your Bibles open, he just says, in my father's house... Are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have I would have told you. I'm going to uh, prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you may also be where I am. You know the way to where I'm going. That's you know, verse two through four of John 14. You know, trust this idea. You know, in the dictionary it says it's a firm belief in a, the reliability, the truth, the ability or strength of someone or something. You know, think about that. What do, how do I feel about the reliability of God? Is, is God reliable to me? You know, how do I feel about the truth of God? How do I feel about His ability? How do I feel about His strength? You know, and I apply that to things that even that I, I trust in today. You know, when I think about, well, what are things that I, I rely on? That I, I trust the reliability. You know, let's take God out of there for a minute. What, what are things that are reliable? Well, I know myself I'm reliable. I, I look at my own, I, he's got a good heart. You know, I, I probably don't, but, you know, when I look at my own mirror, it's easier to try, easiest to trust myself. You know, 
Jeanette was telling me a few weeks ago at the Agape service, you know, when we were over at the, uh, the uh, Northeast community, the uh, Old North End Community Center, uh, they have this great kids' room in back, <clears throat> which is where she was hanging out. She wasn't with us in the service. <clears throat> and they have a play structure with a slide and jungle gym. And, and <clears throat> I don't know if Euro knows, but, but River was having a ball in there. <clears throat> and so she was ten- very tentative about climbing up the play structure, you know, and and I, I hear that the teachers were watching him well. I, I have no idea. But, <laughs> but so she was straddling up there, you know, you know, very tenuous. And then get to the slide, slide down. Awesome. You know, motivate, come back. Next time, a little less tenuous, you know. You know. And, uh, you know, I think by the end, pretty confident, trusting in her ability to be able to conquer that PlayStation. Play, PlayStation seems like a video game, doesn't it? But that play, <laughs> that play structure, right? And so she was getting into that. And so she was confident in her own ability, very similar to us. As we do things and we sort of advance them, we, we gain confidence in our ability. Or sometimes we trust in, you know, things that, like, like the economy. Like everybody here, I would assume, in some way trusts in money. You know, if you're paying your rent, buying food, driving a car, you know, if you lose your job, you lose any support, you lose your savings, you can't pay your rent pay for your car, buy your food. So we're, we're trusting in the ability to, to somehow provide for those things. You know, we trust for the future. If you're going to college or you're trying to get your kids into college, you're thinking about, well, where would be the best place for them to go that will best prepare them, that, you know, that I can enable them, that I can trust that that will, that will equip them. You know, trust me, some people get equipped by college. Others of us get less equipped. You know, right, Howard? We'll talk about that later. But equipped. I'm even making up words now. <laughs> you know, and it's funny because, you know, I think we got a little bit nervous about trusting in God. So, you know, in the, uh, in the 18, 1864, we actually started putting in God we trust on money. We put it on coins first. And then it started on, on bills back in actually 1957. I was a little surprised. That And that's about the same time we said, well, we better get that in the Pledge of Allegiance, too. So One Nation Under God came in about 1960, which to me is upside down. I, I would have thought, I actually put a picture of a $100 bill. That's often the closest I ever get to a $100 bill is to see it on a picture. If I do, they, they go by really quick. But, um, you know, we, we put it on our money. You know, in God we trust. Um, it's crazy. Now, what, what does it really mean to trust God? You know, with, uh, with kids... When I was doing Kids Kingdom a few years ago, we would sing a song. I was singing it for Ralph. You know, my God is so big, so strong, and so mighty. There's nothing my God cannot do. Right? Yeah, you were shaking your head. You've heard that. Well, you're in my class. I don't know. But, um, but you know, think about it. And little kids, you know, two, three, four, five-year-olds, when you tell them God's so big, there's nothing God cannot do, they, they believe you. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. God, God can do that, you know. They don't have the, they haven't experienced enough trouble, hardship, uh, to introduce doubt yet. So they believe. They, they want to trust in God. So here's Jesus talking to his disciples and he says, don't let your heart be troubled. You know, this is an advance of them seeing him, the Messiah, brutally murdered. You know, they, they thought it was over. A number of them went back to fishing. You know, but God had a different end in mind. God was trustworthy, even though they, they didn't at times hold on to that trust. You know, he called them to, to trust him and to, to trust God. And I really like the point you made, Howard, of the contribution about, you know, the Lord sees. 
You know, that's what he told Abraham, right? The Lord sees. Well, it's the same thing. The Lord sees what we need. The Lord is going to provide even if we don't quite understand how or don't even come close to understanding how. You know, how do we even get to this idea of, of the reliability of God? You know, what do we do to put trust in God? Um, I was thinking of Malachi 3. You know, Malachi says, you know, test me in this. See if I don't open a floodgate for you. He's talking about giving, you know, about tithing in, the, in that sense. You know, in response to people who are saying, you know, it's futile to serve God. He said, well, just, just test God in this. Try giving and see what happens. You know, we, we came together, you know, at the beginning of the year. We said, look, we have our, our card, our prayer card, and we came up with four sort of themes, you know, about putting those things into practice. You know, prayer, care, share, dare. Um, think about using those things. If I, if I pray to test God... If I decide I'm just going to care about other people in a way that tests God, if I'm going to share what God's doing in my life, if I'm just going to dare to let the Holy Spirit work in my life, all those things, that builds faith and it builds trust in God. It really helps us to dig in and see that God's, God is and wants to be active in our life. And so that's my uh, next point is God's active. Let's read this. It says, uh, when you are brought before synagogues, rulers and authorities... Do not worry about how you will defend yourself or what you'll say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you should say. And just a caveat here, I think as we're digging into trust, this is about trusting in God. This is not about trusting necessarily in sinful people. Even Jesus struggled with, you know, had to deal with that. We're going to dig into that, but it's really the underlying thing, realizing that God is behind us and loves us and wants to take care of us. You know, in this verse here, Jesus, you know, anticipated that they might be afraid and they might have some doubts. You know, you know he didn't tell them, go hide, you know, go protect yourself. You know, I think he assumed, rightfully so, that they would continue to do what he taught them to do, that they would share the good news, that they, that would end up turning the world upside down. You know, and he assumed, he says, not if, I always like that, it doesn't say if, it says when. When you're brought before synagogues, rulers, and authorities. So it was, it was inevitable that this was going to happen. And uh, it's not because they were doing something wrong. Have you ever felt that way? Oh, they told me I shouldn't do this. You know, I was inviting people to church at, at work and they said, don't do that at work. And oh, I was doing something wrong. No, I mean, you were doing something right. You know, when you're doing something right, sometimes people react in a strong way against you. And he said, you know, don't worry about it. Don't wor- do not worry. Don't let your hearts be troubled. The Holy Spirit's going to teach you what to say. God's active. God's involved. You know, and, and I, I thought about this for a minute. What does it really mean that God is active? You know, there's different ways of thinking about, about God. One way is to say that, you know, God created the world and he's still actively working on it. You know, sometimes we sing or we say our God's alive. If God is alive, He's doing things. You know, you think about it, if God is not alive, then why bother praying? You know, praying is talking to a living God who really wants to do something about what you're communicating with Him for. You know, faith matters because, you know, without faith it's impossible to please God. Well, if God doesn't, is not active, He doesn't need to be pleased, He doesn't care, He doesn't need you to have faith. You know, you don't need to have free will 
you know, which is a choice to follow God or to not follow God if God is passive, if he's not active. You know, it's easier, isn't it, to trust someone who's actively working in your behalf? You know, if, if, uh, if Ralph said, you know, I don't really care, Peter, then I'd be like, it's much different. He says, oh, yeah, I care, I want to help you. I'm like, oh, that's great. I, I trust him then because he's actively, he may not always, you know, do what I want to do, either Ralph or God, right? But, uh, you know, God's active. And I think about the, the, uh, the other side, you know, and, and sometimes when you think about God in science, one, one, way, one way some people think about God is that he created the universe, but he's just not active in it anymore. You know, one analogy is that he's like a clockmaker who made a watch and it just keeps on ticking and it's fantastic, it's phenomenal, and it just continues on, but he's no longer involved. And that's a whole area of worldviews, you know, and if you haven't looked into that, it's a pretty interesting thing to look at. But even some people take it down to the level that it's just the atoms, you know. It got kicked off, and now it's just sort of this random thing that's, well, it, that is deterministic, right? But it's bouncing along, and things are just going to happen, and God doesn't have any influence. And then <clears throat> prayer doesn't matter then, and, you know, there really is not any free will. God's sort of distant. He's, it's, he's away from me. You know, the other thing in that, there's no miracles. You know, what's a miracle? You talked a little. A miracle is sometimes when God says, you know, I know what the rules are of physics or of life, but I, I'm going to change them. For the moment, I, you know, doesn't always happen, but it, it does happen sometimes. And you know, sometimes we see miraculous things, even in in people's faith changing. You know, and just how you perceive how God is allows you it really affects how much you can trust Him. And I think it's important to think, you know, to realize. And my next point is that God's sovereign. He's in, He's He's not. There's nothing that's escaped His view. Um, this is Jesus now, and so Jesus is talking with Pilate about, uh, about uh, his own crucifixion. And he says, do you refuse to speak to me, Pilate said? Don't you realize I have power either to free you or to crucify you? Jesus answered, you would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. Therefore, the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin. That's hard, right? You know, you think about it. So here is Jesus with Pilate. And Pilate says, I can crucify you. I have the power. I have the authority. And Jesus says, you don't have any authority over me that God didn't give you. Just stew on that for a second. So Pilate, evil guy? I I, I mean, I don't know. Surely not. He killed Jesus, right? He he crucified or allowed it to happen. But Jesus said that ability... That authority, that capability to do this to me only came to you because God gave it to you. Well, that's hard. I mean, to me, that's a hard thing to, to sort of get your head around. <clears throat> when you think about bad things happening in, in our world, in our day, and you go, ah, you know, I, I know I need to be righteous and I need to do the right thing, but sometimes God is, is letting off some of his power is, is delegating it to authorities and, and rulers of this world. Now, he didn't say that, that Pontius Pilate was without sin, right? He said, your sin is just lesser, right? Those others have a greater sin than you. You know, can you imagine that, uh, one thing I just jotted down, it says, it's, you know, not that I trust God to do what I want, but that I trust God to do what he wants. You know, in the garden, Jesus said, not your will, but not my will, but your will be done. 
And that, that's the hard thing is that can I really entrust myself to the point where it's not just about getting God getting to do what I want to do, but it's me getting my heart to do what God wants to do. That's, that's the hard part. And that's this whole idea of entrusting that I want to, I want to think about for a minute here. This is a hard, this is a challenging passage, you know, and I think next couple, I think will also be challenging, and I don't propose that I have the answer, you know, I think it's just challenging. I think we have to think about this as we entrust ourselves to God. You know, Peter, you know, Peter writes this in 1 Peter, he says, when they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to the one, to him who judges justly. This idea of entrusting, it's, it's the idea in the Greek of, of handing something over, of committing it, of giving it up, of hazarding it. I don't even know, quite know if I know how to use hazarding in English quite so well, but it's, it's taking a risk, right? It's, it's almost back to that thing when we decide to follow Jesus, we commit ourselves to Him. We throw ourselves on His, uh, on His boat. Uh, we, we bungee jump. We jump off. We're beyond the point of no return. He's saying here, I've, you know, Peter is the one, right, who had the trust issues. He's the one that denied Jesus. You know, you know, he was the one that was afraid that God wasn't in control. And I think the cross and the resurrection changed his mind. You know, he realized that, you know, it comes a time uh, that, uh, that he realized that he just, Jesus had, had given it up. He didn't trust himself to evil people, to worldly authorities. Uh, he entrusted himself to God. And you think about for us, what are areas that we need or can entrust ourselves to God? You know, it seems to me, for me, it's the things that I want to tend to try and control. <clears throat> you know, I want to be in charge of, I'm going to set it up just this way. <clears throat> and I think sometimes, oftentimes, God just maybe frustrates some of that. So I finally have <clears throat> got to turn it over uh, to God in prayer because I know that, you know, Jesus says he didn't, even, he didn't retaliate. Can you imagine if Jesus wanted to retaliate? Can you imagine that? Bam, you know, he certainly could have, you know, what, he could have called all the, all the legion of heaven to protect him, and he didn't do that. Can you imagine insulting somebody and you, and you realize, oh, that's God, you know, and people were actively insulting him. They were making him suffer. Not suffer like it's too hot in this room or it's too cold in this room, but suffer like, you know, torture, right? Crown of thorns, you know. That's, that's this, this period, right, that Peter was getting ready to deny Jesus. Jesus was getting tortured as a perfect, as a, you know, as, as God himself, right? And, and, and Peter saw that Jesus had entrusted himself to God because he knew that God was the one that would protect him, that would take care of him. You know, that's a hard thing. That's a hard thing for me to think about. What are the things that I need to entrust more to God, let go of, not, not worry about the outcomes, just do what God wants me to do? You know, Paul talked about it in Romans. A little finer print there, a little longer passage, but let's read it. It says, Everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities, for there's no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God, and consequently, he who rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. And those who do so will bring judgment on themselves, for the rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong, do you want to be free from the fear of the one in authority? Then do what's right, and he'll commend you. For he is God's servant to do you good. 
But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword for nothing. He is God's servant, an agent of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Therefore, it's necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also because of conscience. You know, these are the same authorities that later are going to execute Paul. You know, this Romans was written in about 57 or 58 AD, probably. You know who was, you know, you know who was emperor then? Nero. <clears throat> Nero was there until 68 AD. <clears throat> wow. You know, how do you, how, how do I, how do I, how do you figure that out? That's more trust than I've got. You know, and we sometimes have a hard time submitting to the authorities that are duly elected in our country, right? You know, it's rough, right? It's, it's hard to figure out, well, how is God working through these things that I see in front of my face? And yet Paul's saying to the, to the Christians there, the disciples, well, you've got to have that same trust when Nero is, you know, is Caesarite. He's, it's rough, you know. It's, how, do you, how do you take that in, into account? Well, I just, that's something I've been working through trying to figure out is that there's, there's multiple levels of authority on this earth. There's multiple levels of authority in heaven. Somehow, God is working through the different levels. Occasionally, we see a glimpse of it in heaven. You know, it talks about sort of the, how God's working with the spiritual beings. Sometimes we see it in how he's working with the earthly authorities. Uh, here we see it. We saw it with Jesus. We see it here with Paul. Um, I don't quite understand how that works, but I have to go back to what? In God we trust. God's working through this. <clears throat> well, you know, what happened with, with Rome? I mean, this is 80, 80, 60, or 70, 60 right now when Paul writes this. Well, <clears throat> in a few years, um, things changed pretty radically. You know, in a, in a few hundred years, they actually had uh, a, the, the head become a Christian, right? And eventually the Roman Empire disappeared. None of us are Roman citizens today. Right? A few of us might speak Italian, but not like it would have been if they had conquered the whole world like they planned. <clears throat> you know, what it seemed like was going to happen uh, came out to a different end. Right? It, God had a plan in store. He was working through it. Um, it just wasn't obvious. And I think Paul was trying here, if you look, in, you know, if you look, read earlier in chapter 12, he's trying to keep them from just taking law into their own hands, trying to force the result. Right? <clears throat> so let's, uh, as we uh, come to close here get close to let's think about how do we put this into practice and how do we you know how do we trust in God how do we see him as being reliable being truthful or true being capable you know he promised that he'd be with us to the to the end of the age that he would never leave us you know he's given us the words of truth that we need to continue to seek him by living out those words but we do get uh, the opportunity to entrust ourselves to him every day you know, I, I was thinking about uh, the, what's the, the, the thing now. It's, I think it's mostly in airports. See something, say something. Right? You've all heard that, right? And so you're supposed to, you know, see the, uh, the guy with the water bottle. It's too full and turn him in or, or what, whatever it is. You know? I, I don't know exactly what that means, you know. Somehow saying sort of get us in trouble. But, you know, maybe ours ought to be read something, do something. Hmm. You know, because... I, you know, I'm on a goal to read the whole Bible this year, but and that's I enjoy it. It's great, but I think my more my challenge is I just don't take one thing and just do it. Just find one thing, put it into practice. <clears throat> find one area where God really wants to, to work with you, wants to, and figure out how do I how do I trust God in this? How can I turn this thing over that 
has troubled my heart. You know, that's maybe even a better place is to think about, let's start with those areas in our heart that are feeling troubled, and let's really work on ways to figure out how can we turn that over to God? You know, how can we turn that over to Jesus? Because that's, that's what he wants us to do. We have to remember that God is not only active, but he's sovereign. So he's working through everything we see, through the things that we really like and through the things that we really don't like. You know, we, uh, we can't fully trust a human being. I, mean, I was thinking about that this morning. Is there any person that I, that I fully trust, like 110%? I mean, people, even, even you guys, you guys are the best people I know here in Burlington for sure. And uh, you guys are awesome, but you know, none of us are 100%. Right? We all have our bad days. We all sin. We all you know, you know, mess up. You know, the only thing, the only person that I can fully trust is God. And so because of that, what I've got to do is I've got to strive to, to be righteous, to be obedient to God, and really turn over the things that I, that I, I haven't figured yet, I don't understand. You know, fear is the opposite of trust. You know, we have to trust God to overcome our fear because God is sovereign. Read this last verse and we'll close out here. It says, And of this gospel, I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher. That's why I'm suffering as I am. Yet I'm not ashamed because I know whom I've believed. And I'm convinced that he's able to guard what I've entrusted to him for that day. I think that's that's the challenge here of the scriptures is thinking about not just following Jesus, not just following God, but in the areas where we don't know how to follow him, we don't know what to do, is to turn those things over to him, to entrust him, because we're not ashamed of the one we believed in, and we're convinced, we're persuaded that he's going to be trustworthy and going to bring us to the very end. Thank you guys. We love you.